Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Like uh, like Brother Greg was saying, uh, how good and pleasant it is to be in the house of the Lord. I'm happy to be here tonight. Um, definitely happy to be back up here behind the pulpit again. Um, I'll be honest with you. The uh, past year has been pretty crazy for us. It's been, I think it's been pretty crazy for everybody, right? It's in, in the, the craziness, the hecticness, or how we're referred to it as the craziness continues. It seems to continue, right? It's not over yet. Um, it got definitely got a little crazy for us in our home. Um, I asked Pastor for a little bit of a break from preaching and teaching behind the pulpit, and he granted that for me, and I'm thankful for it. Um, I'm thankful for his grace um, and his understanding and his wisdom and his leadership. Um, he didn't give me a hard time at all. He let me uh, take a little break and, and handle some of the things going on um, in my personal life and at home. Um, but I say that to say this, it really does feel good to be back. It feels good to be back up behind the pulpit. It feels good to be back um, studying the lessons um, that, that are to be presented for the Lord and for his people and for, for his sheep. So um, I'm humbled, definitely. I hope today that you guys can follow along. If you guys didn't um, already grab a lesson plan, please grab one. They're at the, uh, the entrance there. We're going to continue, like um, Brother Greg said, Lesson 4, the Christian Development Course, A Reason of, of the Hope. Um, lesson 4 is covering the doctrine of baptisms. Okay, and we're going to cover a whole bunch of scripture this evening. Um, I won't take up a whole bunch of your time here. I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet. Uh, the majority of us have bought into this doctrine of baptism, as, um, as we call it anyway. So we shouldn't have too hard of a time accepting this as as doctrine as 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 we believe it as we follow it and we teach it here in our church um but most definitely if you have any questions please feel free to raise your hands we'll cover what we can if i don't have the answer for you i'll find it for you okay um and then and then again as we move forward through this and we cover the scripture you guys are going to see how all this ties together all right so um first and foremost before we get started let's go ahead and open up with the word of prayer let's bow our heads Father God, we thank you once again. We thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house to learn and dive into your word once again, Lord Jesus, to dive deeper and gain a deeper understanding and get closer to you, God, as we study your word and we study your doctrine, Lord Jesus. We ask, God, that you would anoint the lips of clay this evening, God, that you would open up every ear, heart, soul, and mind to accepting your word and your doctrine, Lord Jesus, as we teach it this evening. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, give me a minute here. I was going to leave this because it looked like... You guys ever get into those uh, text threads, you know, where they include you in a big one? It looked like one was going to start up, so I wanted to make sure that I wasn't bothered by this. But I did leave a note here that I want to make sure I cover. So let's see here. Okay, so as we open up with the doctrine of baptisms, we are going to talk about not just one baptism as we, uh, as, as we talk about it in general or in the Christian community. We know, that, um, we know that what's essential for our salvation is the baptism or the water baptism that we, like, we experienced a little bit over a week ago, correct? But 
what we're going to cover today is the doctrine of baptisms, okay? So it is plural. We're going to cover more than one baptism as they're referred to um, in the Bible, not just the New Testament, but even, even some can be linked back into the Old Testament teachings as well in the, back, in the book of Exodus, okay? So in this chapter here, like I just said, uh, the principle of doctrines of Christ. In this lesson, we will examine the word baptism in the plural. That's baptisms. Primarily, we will turn our attention to the third step in our salvation experience, which is water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, as covered in Acts 2.38. We all know Acts 2.38. We've heard it over and over and over again, right? The great sermon that Peter preached after, after the Lord um, ascended to, uh, to heaven after he revealed himself, ascended to heaven, and then he preached the great sermon. And after the great sermon that he preached, 3, 000, the Bible says that 3,000 were saved after that sermon, and they baptized, they, baptized, they baptized them, excuse me, and they baptized them in the name of Jesus Christ. So that is going to be the main baptism that we cover this evening, but we are going to cover a few others, okay? Further study and research in this order covers these topics. By all means, establish the truth of water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ in your mind as an essential step in receiving salvation, okay? It's important to understand and believe that ignoring or rejecting this step would mean that your sins are not remitted, okay? We believe that here at CRC. And, and, and frankly, if you're a New Testament believer... That is something that you should accept because it is mentioned time and time and time again throughout the New Testament. And we know that the New Testament is a recollection of the new church, right? We are the New Testament church. We emulate what was done in the New Testament, how they established the church in the book of Acts, correct? So if we're to accept that and emulate that as a Christian church, then we're to accept and emulate the things that they did right? We are to act out the acts. Amen? So it's, it's really important. I wanted to make sure that I covered that, and I highlighted it here in the notes. It's in your notes as well. Ignoring or reject, rejecting the step of water baptism would mean our sins would not be remitted. And we know if you guys, if you guys were here last week or you tuned in last week, um, when, they covered, um, when they covered repentance, right? When we covered repentance, we know that remissions of sins is essential to our salvation, right? And that is done through water baptism, okay? So the baptisms in the scripture, the word, the word of God mentions several baptisms, okay? We're going to briefly discuss each of them, and we're going to emphasize water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, okay? And then we're going to cover, the main two that we're going to cover today are water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, but as well as, as uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay? And we only cover, we're only going to cover baptism of the Holy Spirit very briefly because that's actually the next lesson that's going to, uh, lesson five is going to cover that in depth, okay? All right, if you guys have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to be reading from the, uh, from the New, New King James Version. All right. The word of God says this. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. 
all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they drank of the spiritual rock, of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ so like i said we're going to cover baptisms and and what what this is going to what this lesson you're going to you're going to see here real soon is going to tie together is all the times in the bible not every single time because we're not going to read every single scripture and there we'll be here all night but the, the times in the Bible that mention baptism, okay? And this one can, because of its wordiness, can be a little confusing, right? Especially to the new believer, right? But, but what we want to keep in mind is that the lesson brings us back to the book of Exodus. So if you still have your Bibles out and you, and you can follow along here, open up your Bibles to the book of Exodus chapter 14, okay? Or you know what? That's a lengthy one. But essentially, the, the book of Exodus chapter 14, what that covers is, is the, the Israelites' escape, okay, across the Red Sea. Everybody remembers, right? Any of you see the, the, the movie Prince of, Prince of Egypt growing up, right? And you, so you see that illustration in the movie, right, when God splits the sea and, and, and the, uh, the Israelites are able to cross, amen? So we, we, want, we want to um, understand here that the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, is a reference, right? And the baptism to Moses is a reference of that event. Amen? And that event, what it represented in that time, was a baptism in the Spirit. Okay? Through the water and a baptism to the Spirit. Okay, so it says here, if you guys are following around, we note that all Israel was under the cloud and passed through the sea. As the Israelites passed through the Red Sea with a wall of water on each side of them, as covered in Exodus 14.29, the pillar of cloud was above them. This type shows that both spirit and water baptism are essential to the new birth experience that Jesus taught. Amen. And so when they crossed through with water on both sides of them, right, and the cloud over them, which represents the spirit, Right, and they crossed through. They were leaving the old life and entering the new. Is that not what we're taught? So, so what we're trying to what we're trying to hear to do here is connect these two here. That even in the Old Testament, right, the the, the word says that, right, the Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. His word transcends time. Okay, we don't get a new set of rules because we're the New Testament church. Amen. He was doing the same thing with his followers in the Old Testament, right? The Israelites had to go through the same process. They had to be born again. So they went through the water, right, with the Spirit above them, and they left the old life and into the new. Amen? Okay, so we want to make that connection there, that, that when you guys read that, if you ever come across that in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that you understand what that reference is to, right? To Exodus chapter 14, okay? So moving forward, we're going to cover the baptism of John, okay? So each gospel mentions the baptism as administered by John the Baptist, right? We've all heard of John the Baptist. And if you read the, four, the first four books of the New Testament, they will all recall or, or mention John the Baptist, who was, who was a forerunner to Christ in baptism, okay? So before Jesus entered onto the scene and started baptizing people, John the Baptist was already doing that, all right? He was following God's orders, God's commands, and he was baptizing people in, into what was to become 
right? The New Testament church or who was to become the disciples of Christ. Okay, so moving forward, you and you can you guys can you guys can read about these um, very briefly. These are just scripture references in the book of Matthew, Mark, Matthew chapter three, one through eleven, Mark chapter chapter one, one through ten, Luke three, one through twenty-two, and John one nineteen through thirty-three. And you'll see that some of the other scriptures we're going to cover as we move forward are going to are going to get into that. Okay, but essentially they're references to John the Baptist baptizing people. Okay, into into the um, into the New Testament church, okay? So, like I said before, John was a forerunner announcing the coming of Christ. His message was for a limited time, though, right? Once he baptized Jesus, right, it's important to understand that the baptism of Jesus Christ was not a a baptism for remission of sins, okay? Jesus did not sin. He did not live a sinful life. He did not need to be baptized um, because or for remission of sins. His baptism was, as the word says it, to fulfill all righteousness. So if you guys read Matthew chapter 3, verses, verse 15, excuse me. I'm going to cover it right now. So 3.15 says this. You know what? I'm going to start at 13. John baptizes Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? Right? He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm, I don't baptize you. You baptize me. You know, if you, guys read, if you guys read before that, he says, there's one coming whose sandals I'm not even worthy to unstrap. And here he comes humbled, right? And Jesus says, you need to baptize me. Whoa, wait a second, right? And says, but Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Amen? Amen? Um, we, could, we could maybe even uh, refer to another time in the Bible when Jesus had to set one of his followers straight, right? You all remember the, um, the passage um, at the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And, 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 um, Peter says to to Jesus, "Hey, you know, he tries to interfere with them taking Jesus before he's to be crucified, right? While, as they're wanting to arrest him, and he draws his sword and he tries to defend him, and he says, "Hey, ho, ho, hold on, you you've got to let this happen, okay? This is so that it can all be fulfilled. The word needs to be fulfilled, and that's what Jesus is doing here. Hey, we've got to fulfill righteousness here, right? The word needs to be fulfilled here." And that's what I'm doing. So, no, you need to baptize me, okay? And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him, okay? And that was the sign, right? That was, that was the confirmation that John the Baptist received from the Lord um, that that was the Messiah. He was the Christ. He was the one now to take over and lead the disciples. And, and from that day on, John would be, now become one of Jesus' followers. Right? Humbling, right? So again, as we cover these, these different baptisms and, and those that baptize, remember that John the Baptist was the first one to start baptizing. All right? And he even baptized Jesus himself. As, as covered in uh, Matthew 3 here, actually covered in all four Gospels, okay? And he baptized them in the Jordan River. And, and as the Spirit descended and the doves were shown, that was confirmation that that was the Messiah. Amen? Amen. All right, so moving forward. Um, 
Baptism for the dead. We're going to cover this very briefly um, again because it, 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 when we read the New Testament and as we move forward in our maturity, um, if you guys open your Bibles up to uh, first, you know what? I'm going to cover this really briefly, and we're going to cover the notes here because this is not something that we practice. But the reason the reason it's mentioned is is so that you know it's out there. That there are churches, there are denominations, and um, there are people out there who believe in baptisms for the dead, right? They believe in, in, in getting baptized in place of those that may have died without being baptized. Does that make sense? So, so I know that was wordy there in the definition. But essentially, um, Brother Greg passes away before he has an opportunity to turn his life with Christ and get baptized. And me, as a new convert or Christian, I'm like, hey, my brother died. He never got a chance to, to know the Lord or meet the Lord. Um, I want to be baptized in Greg's place so that, um, so, so that his soul can still enter. And there are denominations out there that practice that. Okay, we do not. Okay, we do not. The, the, that is nowhere actually mentioned in the Bible as, as, a, as a doctrine of the church of Jesus Christ. Okay, so just keep that in mind. Um, there are a few uh, denominations out there that practice this, and people that believe in that because um, they misinterpret the word for what for for what, how it's represented or the context. But that is not something that we practice here. Okay, so um, number one, what shall we do? Which are, I'm sorry, what shall we do? They which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all. Okay. So if the dead if the dead don't rise, how can how can we who are not dead be baptized for them, right? Uh, point two: Why are they then baptized for the dead? If the doctrine were true, then the destiny of the lost dead would be in the hands of the living. No offense, bro, but if you passed away, you do not want your salvation to be put on me. Does that make sense, right? That's a lot. I got to worry about my own salvation. And I got to worry about his salvation. He's already dead, right? And, I'm, and I'm, as I'm living, I'm trying to live out salvation for a guy that's already dead. Does that, it doesn't really make sense. And that's the point we're trying to make here, right? Not only that, now the guy who's, who's actually, whose salvation is, 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 um, is at stake is in the hands of somebody else, Right? We know that that's contra, um, contradictive to what we know in the New Testament, okay? Because every man is responsible for his own salvation. Amen? Amen. So it is not up to Brother Greg to seek out my salvation. It is up to me to seek out my own. Amen? And now, that's not to say that we don't share the gospel. That's not to say that we don't... We don't share the word and we don't share our testimony um, with others. But that is to say that Greg is still responsible as an adult and, and a person who understands right from wrong. He's responsible for his own salvation as am I responsible for my own as well. Okay? So understand that. Um, and you, you, we definitely do not believe in, um, like some of the other denominations believe in, um, uh, more specifically, um, it sounds from from what we learned here that the LDS Church um, that we are responsible for uh, the salvation of those who have already passed. Okay, all right. So uh, moving forward, baptism of the suffering. We're almost done here. We got a couple more, and then we're gonna we're gonna um, recap a few things here. Okay, baptism of the suffering, as seen in Matthew chapter twenty, verses twenty two and twenty three, covered in the book of Mark and the book of Luke as well. But the, I'm already in Matthew here, so we're gonna cover Matthew chapter twenty. If you have your Bibles, open it up to verse twenty two and twenty three. 
All right, so the Bible says this. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Let me move forward. I want to get the full context here. All right. She said to him, grant, grant that. I'm reading verse 21. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit on one, on one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom. But Jesus said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am about to be baptized with? We know what he's referring to there, right? This is right before he's, he's about to be um, prosecuted, persecuted, crucified, okay? And he's, he's like, look, you don't have a clue as to what you're asking, all right? I know what I'm about to go through. This is why he, he pleaded with God, Lord, if there's any way that I can get out of going through that pain and suffering that I'm about to go through, please, Lord, please let there be a way. Crickets, right? Crickets. And it's like, okay, it has to be done, right? We have to fulfill righteousness. It has to be done. This is part of the word, right? And, and again, like I said, the word does not contradict itself. The word transcends time. It's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And, and, the, and, and Jesus knows. He, I've, I've got to go through what I've got to go through. But, she, but he's like, listen, you got no idea what you're asking for here. Okay? All right. So, and then moving forward to verse, 20, uh, verse 23, okay? Um, they, they were like, oh, we're able to. We can do it. And he says, you will indeed drink my cup. And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and sit on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it is prepared by my Father. Okay, so you, he's saying, look, you're going to drink of my cup. Okay, you're going to be baptized the way I'm baptized, right? What's he referring to there, right? He's not referring specifically to what he's going through. Some of the, now some of the disciples were persecuted in a, in, a, in a sense in the same way that Jesus was. But we, as the Christian church, um, this generation, right, um, we are baptized through suffering as well, right? We receive a new life in the suffering or the long suffering that we endure together as a church, right? The Bible says that we are one body, amen? We are one body. So um, Brother Greg res, uh, represents a part of the body that I can't. He, we are, we are two, we're, even though we're brothers, right? We're biological brothers. There are still things that Brother Greg represents and holds up and is that I am not, amen? But together, collectively, all of us as a church and a body, we complete that body of Christ. Um, so when Brother Greg is hurting, I'm hurting with him. Amen. When pastor is, is having to stay home this evening because he's under the weather and not feeling ill, we feel that. Right. And we represent that and we express that in, in our in the way that we that we that we um, that we pray. and We lift him up. And, and, and right. We ask God for mercy. We ask God for healing. We ask God for um, for for grace. Right. And so and so that's that is the suffering that he's referring to there. Now the suffering also is the persecution that we receive as Christians. Maybe more so now than ever before in the past. Amen. Some of the things that we represent, some of the things that we value as a Christian community are being attacked daily. Right? And and, and it's unfortunate, but again, it's part of the process. Right? We can plead with God all we want. To take away the suffering. We can, we can plead with God all we want to not let us be persecuted. But the fact of the matter is that his word says that in this life, 
you will suffer. Amen? If you choose to live this life by this word right here, you will go through suffering and you will be persecuted. Right? And the truth is, is that whether you choose to follow the Lord or not, you will suffer and you will be persecuted. But when I choose to follow this and follow him, I'm covered. I know he's got my back, right? And I know that I've got the salvation coming, right? I'm, I'm, I'm headed towards the inter- eternal life. And without this, I am not. Amen? So moving forward, okay? Um, now we're going to cover quickly baptism of the Holy Ghost. And again, this just touches on it. It doesn't go into depth but um, because the next list lesson is going to go into depth into the baptism of the Holy Ghost, okay? But baptism of the Holy Ghost. So as we open up in Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, when the writer of Hebrews spoke of the doctrine of baptisms in Hebrews 6, 2, he was referring specifically to one, water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and two, baptism of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so let's read that real quick. If you guys have your Bibles, again, Hebrews chapter 6. Therefore, um, this is titled The Peril of, of Not Progressing, okay? Therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Okay? So, it's important to understand that 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 scripture right there is referring to the two baptisms. That's water baptism um, in the name of Jesus Christ, and two, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, both um, essential, again, to the formula that gets us our salvation or that helps us receive our salvation, okay? So before we can go on to perfection, we must first receive these baptisms. We will only briefly mention the baptism of the Spirit here since it is covered again in another lesson. I already said that. I apologize. All right, so when we receive the Holy Ghost, okay, when we're baptized in the Holy Ghost or by the Holy Ghost, okay, the um, the Bible, As we, I'm going to read a couple scriptures here, um, recollects that or expresses that or shows us, okay, that that it's an overwhelming immersion, okay, in the spirit, okay? So spiritually, it's a baptism of the spirit or a birth of the spirit. So just like we are reborn again when we are put under the water, immersed in the water, okay, and then brought out, okay, the same happens when we are baptized by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we were covered and immersed completely by this spirit. This is why um, many of the scriptures that cover or talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, why many of the, um, the, the, the people, right, that are, that are immersed with the spirit then speak in tongues, right? The heavenly tongues, as the Bible refers to it. Okay, so... Um, so when that happens, we know that that is, when it happens for the first time, that that is, that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So if you open your Bibles up to, um, we'll read John one thirty three, and we're going to cover Acts 11. Actually, go to Acts. I covered this one before. So Acts 11.16, um, I think, spells it out a little bit better for us. Okay. If, if you guys, so I'll say this. If you guys have questions or if you guys... Um, if there's ever doubt or you want to just dive deeper and understand this New Testament belief that we, that we, that we have here, this doctrine, 
read the book of Acts. Uh, I know a pastor was up here one day, and he talked about it. He's like, if you removed all the other books of the Bible, right, but you kept the book of Acts, I, I would probably add one more to that. I think Acts and maybe Re- um, Revelation, because I think some people, there's two ways I think people come to Christ. This is just my opinion, okay? The book of Acts covers a lot of it. Because if you didn't read the Gospels, when you read Acts, you see the actual New Testament church established, how they're established, and how the disciples, after they've been through everything they've been through, right, as when they followed Christ for those three and a half years, um, how they established the new church now, even without the presence of Christ, right, or, or Jesus, even without the presence of Jesus around them and, and leading them and guiding them and teaching them, what they still do and how they carry on his ministry, um, that's what the book's, book of Acts is. It's really, it's the establishment of the new church. It lays the foundation, right? Then Revelation, what does Revelation do for us? Right? Some people will say this, pardon my French, it scares the hell out of you. Amen? Right? So if you've, if you've read all the way through it, 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 that's what it does for some people. Some people will read it and they're like, oh, dang. I don't want to live through that. I don't want to go there. I don't want to be here, Right? For the second coming. And they're like, I need to get my stuff straight. I need to get my life right. Right? And, and so it happens for some people. And you know what? That's not to, and eventually the love and the relationship and the development of, of a Christian still occurs, but sometimes that's what it takes. Amen? That's what it takes. So, um, but anyway, l- like I was saying, back to my point, if, if you have some questions about some of this doctrine that we that we believe. Dive into the word. Every single version of it, the NIV, the, the, um, the King James Version, the New King James Version, the English Standard Version, um, the message, they're, they're going to find that it all ties together. It all means the same thing, and, and some, some of it's just easier to read, but you're going to gain a better understanding of why we do some of the things we do. Right when we stand up here and we praise the way we do, and then you see um, somebody... Um, just get completely covered in the spirit and they start speaking in tongues and then some people get freaked out by that and i'm like bro it's biblical it's all over the bible you know if you're freaked out by that it's because somebody never told you to read your word man or you never did yourself and i'm sorry maybe you grew up in a church that doesn't read this bible but we do right and time and time again it covers people speaking in tongues right now there is different times and, and well, I, I think um lesson five gets deeper into that as i was reading a little bit um um there's different expressions of tongues and things like that but that is one sign that somebody's being either baptized in the spirit or or covered in the spirit right amen so as we move forward again baptism in the holy ghost acts eleven sixteen. okay then i remembered the word of the lord he said John indeed baptized with water, but yet ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so recalling the Gospels, because we skipped all those ones, um, the references for the Gospels, the book of Matthew, Mark 1.8, Luke 3.16, John 1.33, those were all um, the references of the recollection of John when John was asked, hey, what are you doing? You know, he's being questioned by the, um, by the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And, and he says, hey, I, I, yeah, I baptized, um, I, I baptized people in the water, but the one that comes after me, he's going to baptize in the spirit. Amen. And so that, that, is, that is something that we all need, and it is essential, again, for this formula of salvation, baptism in the spirit. Amen.
Okay, so when we receive the Holy Ghost, it is an overwhelming immersion in the Spirit. Spiritually, it is a baptism of the Spirit or a birth of the Spirit, okay? So Ephesians 4, 1 through 5, moving forward, Ephesians 4, 1 through 5, we're going to read that out loud right now. And this covers the supernatural things of God, okay? And this is going to cover... Um, is going to help us kind of gain a, a little bit of a better understanding of this spiritual um, rebirth here. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, 1 through 5. Okay, so starting with verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and, and greatness, I'm sorry, gentleness, excuse me. With long suffering, we talked about that, right? Bearing with one another in love, okay? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Okay, so like I just said, okay, we were just talking about this just a couple minutes ago, okay? We are all an essential part of one body, amen? We are all baptized through one spirit, with one spirit, and into that spirit, okay? So if you are baptized by that spirit, right, and by that spirit, we, are, we represent that spirit, right? We are to walk into that, walk in that spirit, and love each other and be part of one another in that spirit as well. So it's important to understand that, that after your baptism of the Holy Spirit, you truly now at that time, we talk about it when we baptize in the water, but it, the baptism in the spirit is part of the maturation or, or the maturing process, right? The maturation process of the Christian life. You're baptized into the spirit. Now you become part of the body. Amen. You become part of the body. We talk about one mind, one accord, right? And, and it's weird. Like um, uh, Sister Lisa was talking. I'll, I'll give you a great, a great analogy. She was talking about a book she's reading. What's it called, Sister Lisa? Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. So she was reading the, um, like the footnotes and a little bit about this book. And um, she, she's studying it. And she's getting some revelation from it. And, and not talking to her husband about it yet pastor comes up and preaches on the same on the very same subject that she's studying in the book right and that's how the lord reveals to us that we are of one mind and one accord now of course if that is if you are concerned with those things right if you're concerned with the things of the church if you're concerned with the things of the body of christ right if you're not concerning yourselves with the things of the body of christ um coming to church right uh, watching church online, reading your Bible will simply just be going through the motions for you, right? It's going to feel irrelevant. It's going to feel um, like you're like you're on what, what do they call it the uh, the rat wheel? What do they call it? The hamster wheel. Excuse me. Yeah, not those. The rat wheel. I, I, if we refer to it as a rat wheel, you really don't want to be part of it, right? But hamsters are kind of cute, I guess. So, but anyway. Back to the point. The point is, is that it's just going to feel like you're just going through the motions, right? Do we feel like that sometimes? We feel like that sometimes. Hey, I'll, I'll be straight up with you. I feel like that sometimes, right? And I have to realign myself with the minds, right? The other minds, the hearts, the concerns, the suffering, right? Um, the long suffering of the body. And when I do, 
I, all right. Because you know what? I'll be straight with you. Um, brother Greg knows this about me. He's my brother. He, he's known me 30, oh, 34 years, almost 35 years. A lot of you who have been around me for a, a while now know this about me. I can hang out in my own corner all by myself and be just fine. Right? Just for those of you that have been around me long enough, you know that about me. Um, I, it's not that I'm a loner. I don't want to be around you. But I've always been kind of an introvert. So I, I can... I can kind of entertain myself, right, with my own thoughts and the things that, uh, and, and I'm always thinking about, okay, what's next? What am I going to do next? What next project am I going to take on, right? Or what next thing am, am I going to do to keep me busy? And, and so I get caught up in stuff and stuff like that. And then this stuff sometimes feels irrelevant. And then I'm like, man, I need to check myself. And I go back into prayer and I go back into my word. And the next thing I know, what happened to Sister Lisa happens to me. A brother or a sister comes up to me or my wife comes up to me and they're like, hey, check it out. I was praying or I was thinking, or brother, I was praying the other day and the Lord told me to tell you this. And you're like, dang, man, that's awesome. Because you know what? The Lord knew I needed to hear that. Amen. Amen. So you still have to concern yourself with the things of the body. Amen. So, uh, moving forward, as we move forward here, and again, uh, we're about we're about seventy five percent done here. No, we're not. We're not. <laughs> no, we're the the next part is a lot of it is is uh, reference, and and we're gonna talk uh, move through it uh, very quickly. But as we cover those first five things and this sixth one here, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, so for those of you that have been around this church a while, for those of you that have been around the apostolic doctrine, okay. Um, first and foremost, let me, let me define this for a minute for those of you watching online. The apostolic doctrine is a denomination, but it shouldn't be. Okay? And let me explain what I'm saying here. The apostolic doctrine, the, the word apostolic, okay, the base word or the root word of the word apostolic is apostle. Okay, it's born out of the book of Acts, straight taken from the Bible. The things that they did in the Bible, we emulate here in the apostolic church. The apostolic church should be the church. Does that make sense? The way we do it should be how everybody does it. And that's a strong statement, but you know what? I'll stand on that. Because the way we do it is exactly how it's done here in this Bible. We didn't take, we didn't throw in our own scriptures. We didn't make up our own book here on the side that we're also going to follow, okay? Now, sometimes we may feel like um, some of the, the rules that we follow might feel strict today, especially in our generation, right? As we've, as we've uh, I, I won't say progressed, but as we've moved on as a society, especially because the apostolic doctrine is very traditional, amen? And some of us don't like that. Some of us have a really hard time with traditions, right? Uh, things like respect and, and, and uh, modesty, right? Because that's not society today. And that's, that's even infiltrating the church a little bit in, in general, okay? But the apostolic doctrine believes in baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to stand on this right here because anytime, anytime that anybody was baptized in the New Testament, they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, okay? Now, many people are going to refer back to um, the book of Matthew when, when Jesus told them to go make disciples, right, and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But it's important that we understand as followers, especially those in the apostolic doctrine or the doctrine of the New Testament church, we'll call it that. I like to call it that, right, because I, I, um, I'm part of, a, of, an, of another community where there's a lot of ch churchgoers in the fire department. 
And but not, when I say apostolic, they're like, "What's that?" I'm like, "How can I spell ap- the word apostolic for you? Like for real? Like it, the word apostle, bro? Like come on, like it's there, right?" So, but so I don't even say apostolic. I, it's a Christian church. Oh, okay, cool. Like CCV? No, we're not like CCV. Um, it, we're not. We're not a big church. I just. Because, I, you know, I know a lot of people that go to CCV, and they're very strong Christians, and they're very dedicated Christians. So I don't ever say that places, big churches don't have people like that, okay? Um, but no, um, we're not like CCV. We're, we're, we're a smaller church. Um, we're a Bible-based church is what I say. Oh, okay. And I mean, that's the only book we read is the Bible, and we follow what it says to the T. We try to. Okay, um, nobody's perfect, but we, we sure try. We try to follow the word as it's declared in the Bible. Okay, and they're like, oh, okay, all right, okay. So yeah, so you're you, you go to church. You're a Christian. Okay, <laughs> I guess. All right. So baptism in the name of Jesus. We will. We so here we go. Move forward. We will place emphasis on this aspect of the doctrine of baptism. Studying the information on the water baptism in Jesus' name. From the scripture, we will also study the baptism from a historic perspective. So we're going to cover a bunch of scripture right here, and this is um, this this part's really important. Okay, so um, Acts. Everybody knows Acts two thirty eight, right? So if you guys want to open your Bibles up to Acts two thirty eight, if you don't already have them open, if you don't have it memorized, all good. I'm going to read it because I don't want to butcher it. Okay, so the people plead with Peter. Peter, what will we do? What should we do? You know, they're, they're starting to be pricked, right? Their hearts are pricked. He's preaching to them. He's telling them about Christ, how he was crucified unjustly, um, even though it was fulfillment of the scripture. He's crucified unjustly. You guys crucified him. Um, you put him up there, right? Um, Peter even had his own um, play in all of that, right? But as we read here, Acts 2.38 says this, Then Peter said to them, um, in response to their question, what, what should we do? Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And he goes on and he says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the second essential part of our salvation, right? So be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, all right? Okay, so why is that important? Okay, here's why it's important. If you go to the book of Matthew, chapter 16. Eighteen and nineteen. Thank you, brother. He says, Jesus is speaking here, and also I say to you that you are that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Right? Then he commanded his disciples um, to tell no one, I'm sorry, he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. All right? If we go here to Matthew 18, I'm sorry, Matthew 28. Verses 18 and 19. This is where uh, a lot of people get mixed up, okay? This is where they, they say, well, the Bible contradicts itself. Or your doctrine, um, it, it, it doesn't align with the book of Matthew chapter 28, right? So if you read Matthew 28, 18, it says here, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Okay? Declaring again, he has the authority, Okay? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Okay, so really important there. And this is, this is truly what we believe and what we stand on, okay? Um, those there, as they're referred to in the book of Matthew, the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Okay? He is not saying in the name of Father, in the name of Son, in the name of Holy Spirit. Right? He's putting the word thee before it. Why do we put the word thee before something? Because it's a title. Okay? It's important to understand that those are the titles of Jesus. All right? The name is Jesus. The Lord's name is Jesus. So we baptize, when we baptize in the name of the Father, when we baptize in the name of the Son and we baptize in the name of the Holy Spirit, we need to be baptizing in Jesus' name. Okay? All right? We don't want to baptize in one title. We want to baptize in the name that covers all of those titles. Amen? Because that name covers all of them. Okay? So understand that. Okay? That those are the titles, but the name that we stand on, the name, right, that holds the power is the name of Jesus. It's not the titles. It's the name. Amen? So understand that, okay? All right, so baptize, baptism is for, we're moving, moving forward, excuse me, baptism is for the remission of sins. Jesus declared that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all, na- all nations, okay? If you read Luke 24, 47. All the way at the end. All right. Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Moving forward to 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. All right? Important. Repentance. Remission of sins. Do you guys know what that means? Do you know what it means to have something remitted? Right? So other versions will say forgiveness of sins, okay? Essentially, that's what it is, but it's to have those completely wiped away. If you had a debt that you owed, right? Um, we see these commercials all the time for uh, people that owe taxes, right? You ever see those? Uh, call this lawyer, um, learner, who is it? Optimum Tax Relief. Look at that, see? You watch a lot of TV, brother. A lot of TV, man, no. Uh, I've seen them. I just, you know, I'm like, I, you know what I do when I say, I'm like, oh, here we go again. You know, like, you know I'm like, pay taxes, man. You got to, hey, the word says to pay Caesar what is Caesar's, right? It's our duty as Christians to pay our taxes. Um, um, so, yeah, I mean, but anyway, <laughs> that's the point here, okay? So, like I'm saying here is that, it's important for us to understand that repentance and remission, in order to get the remission of sins, the baptisms are necessary, okay? Um, now, the repentance, right? What is repentance? What does it mean to repent? Um, essentially, what repentance is, is to, is, to feel, is to feel sorry, to feel remorseful, feel regretful, okay? But it's more than an emotion. It's more than just a feeling that we have, okay? Um, it's truly coming to a realization that how you were living or what you've done or what you're doing, right, is not accepted by Christ. Amen? Um, 
honestly, in a sense, repentance is a daily thing, right? For those of us that have been in the Lord a little while, we understand that. We know that because we are sinful in nature, whether you're in the church or not, human beings are sinful in nature. Amen? So if we're sinful in nature, we need to understand that it's important for us to repent on a daily basis. This is why the Bible um, instructs us to, to pray on a daily basis. Because part of that prayer, part of the formula, formula that we follow when we pray, right? Or, or the, um, uh, not the formula, but the, uh, the outline that we follow, right? If you've ever read the Lord's Prayer and equated it to how we should pray and how we should approach the Lord, forgiveness is in there. Repentance, daily repentance is in there. Amen. So it's important that we understand that and we and we live our lives that way and, and we and we walk in that on a daily basis. OK, uh, moving forward. Point B, baptism is for the washing away of sins. OK, so Ananias commanded Paul. This is when Ananias uh, meets Paul on the road. Right. Um, Paul's got the scales and, he, and he's uh, um, he, he's he's essentially he's in, now he's just baptizing Paul into the church. And from this point on, Paul turns from his life of persecuting Christians now to moving on to be one of the, um, honestly, one of the most implemental people in the New Testament church, um, essentially helping establish it and carrying on and ministering to the church as a whole, right? So um, in the book of Acts, chapter 22, verse 16, it's right here. We don't even need to look it up. All the scriptures are here now from now on. Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Right? So why do we baptize? Baptism is for washing away of the sins. Right? We know that the water, when we're immersed in the water, the water represents what? What does the water represent, Ethan? The what does the water represent? The blood, right? It represents the blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. We know that the blood is what's used to wash away our sins. Amen. That is what does away with our sin with our sins. So it's important here that we understand um, as we move forward, as we're baptized, that is literally what we're doing. It's a symbolic, um, it's a symbolic uh thank you. That is that's what symbolism is, right? It represents something. Thank you, brother. Uh, it's a representation of of our um, of our dedication to Christ and us. And and what it does now is it washes away because the symbolism of of the water is the blood, and the blood washes away the sins. Okay. So, um, and and then and then there's another scripture that covers it in First Corinthians chapter six. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, and ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. Again, baptism is not only essential, but what it does is it washes away our sins. Okay, initially. Now, again, we talked about this sinful nature that we have. So it's important, again, that as we move forward, after the day after you get baptized, repentance. Right? And then the next day, repentance. And then the next day, repentance until you die. Right? And, and, and enter those pearly gates. Repentance. We must live in repentance. Okay? All right. So C, baptism is for birth of the water. Okay? So this is a good one. I want you guys to turn your Bibles to John 3, 5. You can read it here. I'm going to read it from here. Um, John 3, 5. Uh, I'm going to start at 1. Okay? 
This is titled The New Birth. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Okay, you guys remember who the Pharisees were, right? They were the religious rulers of the time. They were the guys that taught the Bible or they taught the word. Um, we won't say the Bible. I'm sorry, not the Bible. But they taught out of the scrolls, right? They taught the law. Um, they were the ones that brought forth um, everything that the, the, the Jews were to live by at the time, okay? Um, so Nicodemus comes to, um, comes to them and says, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, he calls him a rabbi, um, know that you are a teacher from, I'm sorry, you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with you, all right? He's like, it's real obvious I believe you're from God because the things you're doing, only God can do. So God had to have sent you. Jesus said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then Nicodemus says, wait a second. How can a man be born when he is old? He's probably thinking of himself like, what? I can't be born again, right? And that, so... That's what happens. Quick side note. That's what happens when all you are is law, right? When all these all these guys represented at the time, what all they thought the people needed at the time was law. And what did Jesus? Jesus came on and he said, "Hey, the law is important. We still need to follow the word of the Lord." But what did he represent? He represented mercy, grace, love, all these things that the that the Sadducees and the Pharisees were like, you know, right? So they wanted to rule with an iron fist. This is what it says, do as it says, right? And Jesus is like, that's important, right? All that stuff's important. What does the word say? All those things are important. But if you lack love, you're just like, the, like, the, um, uh, like a sounding gong, the word says, right? Nobody likes that. They're like, make it stop, right? Right? If so, gong, gong, you're like covering your ears. Right, and that's what we do literally, right? To those people that are like that, we're like, I, I'm done listening to you, dude. Like, okay, you know, like there, there's no substance to you, and that's what Jesus came and he represented. He represented that substance. So moving forward, um, Nicodemus said, "How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born?" And Jesus answered, "Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God." Okay? Jesus said it. Jesus said it, right? Jesus said it. Unless you're born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Okay? All right. It's right there. Like I said, we believe in this word we read. Amen? So you need to be born of the water and of the spirit. Baptism is birth of the water. Amen? So point two uh, and again, uh, that reference in Exodus, if you guys have an opportunity, read it, Exodus chapter 14, okay? Um, then, you'll, then you'll be able to make these connections. Again, like we talked about, transcends time, okay? The word transcends time. You'll, you'll make that connection. You'll see it. All right, so um, uh, point two, according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Turn to Titus 3.5. All right. The Bible says this, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. The washing and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, right? The water, the Holy Spirit. Again, 
He's making his point here. All right? Both are necessary. Okay? Uh, point D, moving forward. Baptism is a washing and cleansing of the conscience. This is an important one, okay? This is a really important one here because um, I'll tell you what. Sometimes we become prisoners of our own minds. Sometimes we become prisoners of what's going on up here and in here, right? Right? So it's important that we understand that baptism literally cleanses you of that, okay? It's supposed to cleanse you of that. All right, so if faith is still essential. Um, that was one of the, uh, or no, that's coming. Right, it's still essential because you have to have faith in this word. You have to have faith in these in these lessons and these teachings, and in, in order to um, believe it and in order to receive it truthfully and sincerely. Right, so it's important that we understand that as well. And, and I'm wrapping up here, guys. I know we're we're getting a little lengthy, but we're almost done here. Okay, so um, D number one. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, now putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God, okay, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's 1 Peter 3.21, all right? And then in Hebrews chapter 9, it says this, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God, right? He, look, baptism it, it it removes that, all right? It removes that focus on dead works. What are dead works? What are dead works? What are those things? Those are the things that we concerned ourselves with before we entered the kingdom or we became, I'm sorry, before we became part of the church, amen? Essentially, dead works. Essentially, anything that led us to death, right? Right, the Bible says that the wages of sin is what? Death, Right? So the sinful life, right, that we lived before we, we became part of the church, um, those things that we, that we um, concerned ourselves with, that we put our focus on, that, do, that did nothing for us but brought us or got us closer to death and a life that was, um, that was not relevant. Amen? So baptism is for cleansing or renewing um, your conscience. Amen? All right. All right, and then um, the last couple I'm going to cover real quick um, because we already covered um, the name that we should be called over. And I know that in this church and in the church in general, um, the New Testament church, that we believe in baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. But baptism, um, point E is baptism is a burial, okay? Baptism is a burial. So if you turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Know ye not that so many of us as were, as were baptized into Jesus Christ right? We're baptized into his death, okay? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life, okay? So just like Christ was raised from the dead, when you, when you go through this baptism price, um, process, right? Pastor says it all the time. It's a burial and it's a resurrection. You are being resurrected into a newness of life, Amen? So we need to walk in that. We need to own that. We need to believe that. We need to have faith in that, that now we are li living this new life unto Christ, okay? We're baptized unto the, unto the life of Christ, okay? So um, Colossians 2.12 says, Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, okay? All right, so again, um, Baptism is a burial, 
Okay, it's a burial. It's a burial of the old life, right? And then moving forward, um, finally, uh, last point we're going to talk about here is point at baptism is taking on the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, baptism is taking on the name of Jesus Christ. All right, so when you choose, this is why it's important. Uh, we talk about this all the time. We understand that there's um, denominations out there that baptize babies, we don't baptize babies, we dedicate them, right? As parents, we've, we've chosen to baptize all three of our children we, um, when they were babies to dedicate them to Christ, okay? And that was our outward expression, um, our public expression of saying, hey, we're going to raise our children. We're going to train them up in the ways of the Lord, right, so that when they are old, they shall, not depart, they shall not depart from it, right? We want them to live a godly life. We want them to to um, enjoy the benefits of the Christian lifestyle and a godly life. Amen? So we are ambassadors for Christ. Is that not what an ambassador is? We have these ambassadors stationed throughout the world in other countries, right? And what are they? They're the mouthpiece of the president of the United States, right? Right? Maybe not directly, but they speak to the officials in his cabinet, and then those officials speak to the ambassadors of certain countries, and they say, hey, that request or um, this thing you want to do or this thing that that country is requesting our help for, this is the answer. Or, hey, we need to make this declaration to that country that you're, that you're over there um, representing you're representing us at, in, okay? And so they're ambassadors for the United States. It's the same thing. We are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. When we're baptized in Jesus' name, we are now taking on that name. You might as well wear it on your back because the people that see you get baptized, those that know you're baptized, they're going to hold you to it. Whether they're in the church or they're not, they're going to hold you to it. They're going to ask you questions about it. They're gonna, they want to know your story. They want to know stuff about the Bible that, 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 that confuses them, right? They're going to ask you questions about this whole Jesus name thing, titles thing, holy, what, that doesn't make sense to me. Can you clear it up? You better be able to clear it up for them, right? Those ambassadors for the United States, they know our policy. They know our laws. Um, they know our history. They know the names of all the cabinet um, of all the people in the cabinet, they, 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 know, you know, they know the history of the president, the secretary, the secretary of defense. They know those things, right? Guess what? We should too. We should too. Okay? So we take on the name of Jesus Christ and we, re we represent the church. It's important that you understand that and, and that you take that s s seriously. Amen? Amen. Okay, so that's what we're going to close with here. Um, before, we, um, before we leave for the evening, I just want to, again, um, want, I want to pray over this lesson, pray over this word um, that we received tonight. I want to thank God for it because um, it really does, it really does clear up a, a, bunch, a bunch of the things that, um, that we study here, that we believe, and that we indoctrinate in our, into our people, okay? Hey, you know what? I'll tell you guys straight up. Being in this apostolic lifestyle uh, for, for some time now, I got baptized when I was 15 years old. And, you know, my, my walk was like this, especially in the beginning. Uh, I was young. I was a teenager. I didn't grow up in, in a Christian family. We didn't grow up in a Christian household. Um, I would actually drive myself to church at 15 years old with a driver's permit on Sundays by myself and be the only one in my house sometimes sometimes my little brother would come with us uh with me and and then we you know we we enjoyed the youth group um but i i've i've seen a lot 
in, in, in my time. So I'm almost 35. So almost 20 years now, I've, I've been part of the apostolic church. Um, I've seen people liken it to a cult because of some of the things that we believe and some of the things, some of the, mainly because of some of the traditions and the values that we have, um, which is wrong. We're not a cult. Uh, we, we, we believe in what the word says. Um, some of our values and our traditions might seem a little extreme at times, um, but I'll tell you what, I thank God for those. And I, and I, and I thank the church and the establishment of, of what we believe in for holding true to those things because I believe that, there's, that those things are the reason that a lot of our children, our youth, and even me, myself, um, no matter how, how much of a dark place I found myself in, why I came back. Because we experienced the truth and we experienced the spirit for what it really is in this church and in these churches because we take it right out of the word of God. We don't change it. We don't morph it. We don't make it our own. We keep it God's and we represent it that way. Um, So I would say this, as we pray and as you guys um, review this and read it for yourselves, um, take it to heart. Stand on it. You know, because if you don't stand on something, um, what's that saying? If you don't stand on something, you'll fall for anything. And that's the truth, especially today. There's so much junk out there. There's so much fake, you know, bull out there, if you want to call it that. There's so much out there these days. And, and it's so easy. And us, as, as mature Christians, a lot, I see a lot of the parents in this room this evening, we need to stand on the word of the Lord for what it is, for what it says right, for how it's represented here. This lesson is a great lesson, and I thank God for it. And, and when you do that, and when you teach your kids to be people, to be those kind of people, they're going to grow up, and they're going to be able to stand their ground in a world that we know what, what it's headed for. We can see it coming. Amen? All right, so let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again. We thank you, God, for your word this evening. We thank you for your lesson that you brought forth, Lord Jesus. We thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy, Lord Jesus. We thank you for speaking to our hearts, for pricking at our hearts, Lord Jesus, for turning our lives around, Lord Jesus, and placing us on solid ground, Lord. We thank you, God, for the faith that you allow us to have, Lord Jesus. We thank you for coming through for us, Lord Jesus, for delivering us, Lord Jesus, and showing us, God, what our faith in you can do, Lord.